for the first time since 2016 we have a League of Ireland club just about to enter the Europa League group stages and for the third time in a decade, best of luck to Dundalk who kick off their campaign on Thursday and that's going to be the main focus of much of the show today, episode 25 of season 4 of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. We're going to have Ben Wells, a Norwegian football analyst on very shortly to talk about Malda, who had a big win over tabletoppers, Bodo Glimt at the weekend, but are second in the table in Norway, ahead of the clash against Dundalk. And we're going to also have Joe Gamble on. It's rare that we have somebody effectively imploring us to bring us on to bring him on the podcast but that's kind of what happened last week after. yeah Johnny like I'm going to say the main focus to the show being the Dark Mulder I mean you could debate that I mean we, I think we're going to have a, that's... you know we've, 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 we've Joe Gamble effectively has almost booked himself on the yeah. show so like I don't think uh, I think we might have quite uh, you know might have quite a few people listening uh, on account of, of that from down south I would assume so they may not they may not be fully engaged with the Dark Mulder matters this week to be fair I'm looking forward to Joe anyway to uh, hear his version of events. Obviously, we, we spoke with Daryl Connor, who's joined Cliftonville since he was on the show last week. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Lottoland, where you'll find all the odds of special bets for the rest of the SE or Tristy League Premier Division season. Check out lottoland.e forward slash sportsbook and make sure to stay tuned as we'll be giving out some of their LOI specials throughout the show. We are on Podcast Republic, and we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly, on Twitter, in association with independent.ie. And Air Sports, uh, we're obviously entering level five of lockdown for the next six weeks. But thankfully, uh, football continues, uh, if not in a particularly happy way for Galway United, who had a really, really damaging loss to Drada United last night. But uh, life goes That's on. Anyway. Today. That's low today, Johnny. Yeah, geez, terrible, terrible refereeing decision. Um, for, for sending off Stephen Christopher. I can see oh. it in here. Like, people, this is an audio experience, but people can't, we can't still see each other. You look like you have the look of a man who's just had a disappointing defeat the previous night. You know, your body language is a bit sunken, you know. One nil up and uh, one nil up like what after about half an hour and then two one down and a man down going into half time. Should mention Connor Kane, I think he scored his first goal for Drada United on his right foot, an absolute cracker, um, part of their comeback. And Drada now have a chance of going back top of the league, but they'll need Goy United to do them a favour against Bray Wanderers. I'm not sure Goy United will be in any mood to do Drada a favour after last night. But Dan, how are you keeping? We're going back into lockdown, but at least with some football to look forward to. Yeah, we do. We do um, have level five in our in our lives obviously but by the time a lot of people listen to this they might even be in that already we're, we're recording on Wednesday morning early still waiting to hear the full FAI statement again I think people will definitely have that by the time they probably hear the show on what it means but we do know already that like the League of Ireland is, is going to continue um interested to see what they what they do I mean I know that there seems to have been a reluctance to really make a firm decision about how they govern it, because what we have seen now is COVID cases occur mm. um, in, a, in, a, in a real sort of uh, sustained way, in that it's not just, say, one isolated case. We had that Waterford game called off in slightly unusual circumstances, but now we've had sort of instances or, or even outbreaks at, at clubs, and um, certainly probably um, the FBI probably exposed for not having put a rule in place when the league started about what they were going to do about COVID. Uh, situations and now we've had a situation last week where obviously Shamrock Rovers have been struck by not just not just sort of one case but, but four effectively albeit uh, one being Jack Byrne very much separate to the others it happened in international duty away from the rest of them but they've, they've obviously had the, the virus come into a, 
a group setting and and sort of affect a number of of, of players within a group. And then, yeah, the decision to call off their three games, um, I, I can probably understand why that was made at short notice because um, the, you know, they were probably following a degree of precedent with other games. Um, but it's that situation now where the FBI are, are, are trying to play catch up with the rules and they're basically saying, trying to enforce it, but maybe not fully enforce it and, and almost mm. trying to, on an ad hoc basis, hoping they are in a situation where let's just say, I don't want to pick a club, just pick the next club. That, let's say they have a, a similar case to, to Rovers. Let's say they lost a couple of players. They basically, it looks like they're going to be putting the pressure to, to play um, or else there'll they'll be a feeling they should forfeit a match because the league needs to be finished by November the 8th because of the, the Premier needs to be finished because of the level five scenario. So I just, I just fear a bit of um, messiness and, and, and what about me and what about them? What about that? And then um, I, I wonder, will they come to reflect and regret maybe a couple of decisions that were made, even if they were made for the right decisions, right reasons at, at the time. So it's an element of fingers crossed, you know, it feels like every week we get through and every game we get through, there's an element of achievement um, about it um, and that they have done well to get this far and to get this close um, but but you're obviously just hoping that the last game or two of the season that, that you don't have a situation where some big decision or, or 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 sort of important thing you know European football or relegation or playoff or promotion is decided by by COVID you know and, and that's obviously something we're, we're a little bit fearful of now mm. I was interested to see there was a poll there, I think, on, on was it RT, where most people thought the championships in GA shouldn't be played this year. So I suppose in some respects, we're lucky that we've gotten this far and hopefully we'll get over the line. It was like, it was still quite a dramatic um, weekend in the, mainly the cork Waterford game, which was kind of bonkers. We'll obviously oh, talk to Joe Cam. The last 10 minutes were just insane. I don't even know if Joe was watching it, but like, you know... It, then what your policy is when you leave a club, but yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, it was a thriller, but obviously, you know, there's obviously sort of pretty fraught emotions involved, particularly from a Cork perspective. I mean, Waterford is more, you know, probably their European hopes sort of fading away, and as we've seen over the last couple of days, you know, as much as we talk about Dundalk maybe not qualifying for Europe, none of the other clubs are consistent enough to, to exactly push them out of it. So, like, I mean the. Zocken probably going to comfortably qualify for Europe now. Um, yeah, but but but, but the, the the Cork the Cork scenario, like they they did they they raised their level for Colin Healy. They did, you know, like they got that performance. Their season depended on it, and yes, you know that 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 chance at the end, um, the Coleman one that sort of rolled across the line and hit the post. It's funny we had uh, Graham Gartland on a couple of weeks ago talking about Drada and Kiev that time. And it was a Shane Robinson shot in that game, which like looked to be goalbound and just rolled across the line and hit the post. And it almost reminded me of that, just the 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 the, the, the people behind the goal, even the, whoever they were, officials or whatever, just could not believe what they were seeing. And it's it, it feels like that was a game the Cork really did need to win. Yeah, I was in Talca for Sligo and Shells. I think Sligo will be so deflated from that result. I wouldn't rule out Cork uh, going there and beating them. And maybe they still have a, a bit of a chance. And Derry City, after that loss to Dundalk, 16 points from 15 games, which considering you know the money they've invested this season is really, really poor return. Um, their hopes fading as well in terms of Europe. Although it's kind of still hard to know who's going to get fourth. But 
St. Patrick's Pats, Atletico. Pats, yeah, yeah probably in a great... Like, basically, I think if Dundalk draw in Waterford on Sunday, um, they can't finish any lower than fourth. And the only team that can finish, barring like goal difference catastrophes, I think, the only team that can finish ahead of them is Pats, you know, mm. um, for third. So, like, Pats definitely have the... Pats are in a great position purely because they haven't played. But again, like, you know, you can look good by not playing. Like, what we found is that when all these teams start playing, they're not taking advantage of their situation. And Pats do have a, you know, of their four remaining games, Rovers and Dundalk and Bowes are three of their opponents. So, you know, it's, 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 it, they, they look at a good position because they haven't been playing, if you get me, you know, but, but obviously that, that can change very quickly if they come back. And I think, I think they probably, if they want to finish third, they have to simply beat Dundalk. There's no, there's no option for that but even then I think realistically they might be looking at do you look at fourth and assume that one of the three will win the cup I mean you've got to think it would be a surprise mm. if 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 another team could somehow win the cup but it is 2020 and you know could we have forfeits and all sorts of mad stuff going on if things strike at the wrong time so it's maybe dangerous to presume anything yeah, I think uh, before we get to Ben now, I think it probably was quite of a, a blue Monday for fans of clubs who had a bad weekend and then they're facing into lockdown. And it's like, God, it's just been one of those years. And in, in the first division, Bray and Drogheda now with 16 games each, Bray are two points ahead of Drogheda. So that's still somewhat up for grabs there. And obviously that battle for the, the playoff spots, not fully decided yet. But obviously one of our main focuses this week is going to be Dundalk, uh, who start off their campaign in the Europa League in Tala on Thursday against Malda, who will be making the trip over uh, to Ireland. And Ben Wells, uh, ex- this is kind of like a series, Dan, we've had of getting these journalists from from other countries to join our podcast and and give some some expert advice, but uh, I'd, I'd say Ben is going to be um, probably uh, you know he'd be well on top of the Norwegian situation anyway, and the, hopefully the, the global joy of football, Johnny. Global the, joy the, of football, uh, yeah. We've gone from from Azerbaijan to the Faroes uh, to Ben Wells, and this is Ben. Uh, now he's going to talk about the Molde Dundalk game. Thanks to our sponsors, Lottoland, where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SE or Twisty Premier Division and European markets. Visit the Price Booster section on the Lottoland website where you'll find a Europa League double of Dundalk and Celtic, both to draw against Malda and AC Milan. So the two Irish teams, hep hep, boosted from 16.94 to 19. That's 18 to 1 for the Dundalk Celtic double. Visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Ben, how are you doing? Hi guys, yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. No, not at all. Uh, Dan, Dan's referenced the fact that this is obviously a podcast, but if people were able to see you now, they'd see this lovely um, array of football shirts in the background, all on hangers in a in a in a very well uh, choreographed manner behind you. What jerseys are we talking about here? Well, this is this is my version of like the Zoom bookcase, but a bit less um, <laughs> you know, less scholarly sort of. Um, now this is just like my collection of Norwegian football shirts I've sort of accumulated over the years. Um, it's been sort of five years since I've started watching Norwegian football now, so I've got quite a few nice ones in there. Um, no milder ones, which we're talking about today, but yeah, got quite a nice collection going on. So, how, so t- yeah, so tell how us, why are you into it actually? Yeah, tell us tell us about yourself, as we say, Ben. How did how did your Norwegian football journey start? Yeah, it was it's quite random. Um, it's still, I still get a lot of people sort of on Twitter asking me if it's like a hobby or not, but it is my full-time job. I'm not mad enough really to sort of cover it this in depth um, as a hobby, I guess. But yeah, so I, I work for a company called Football Radar. Uh, we're a statistical modelling company. We do sort of player scouting. We do statistical analysis on football. Um, and yeah, I just sort of 
sort of fell into the Norwegian league randomly about five and a half years ago. I started off covering the second tier and uh, for the last two and a half years, I've covered the elite Syrian, which was top tier. So yeah, it was pretty random. I had no knowledge of Norway prior to working with Football Radar, but yeah, obviously sort of covered it very in depth for the last five and a half years and been loving it really. So yeah. Yeah, so like you what but so what when you're watching games, like what type of work are you actually doing? If you get me, is it sort of statistical based or what's your what's your sort of a MO when you're watching a match? Yeah, a lot of sort of like live statistical analysis sort of thing, watching live games, um, watching recorded games, analysing them, um, you know, just trying to find out about teams, what their strengths are, which who the good players are. And yeah, essentially just sort of trying to work out who the better teams are through our our model that we use at Football Radar. Um, and obviously, there it comes into the sort of scouting side of things as well. We, we we run a sort of scouting consultancy as well, so we're always on the lookout for you know for good young players. Which luckily in Norway, there's been quite a lot of recently, so I've been sort of mm. spoiled choice. Mm, mm. So so tell us about Molde then. I mean, let's get to it. I mean, their their season this year. I suppose the great thing about European football is that like you have teams from one country get drawn against the other. You know, they'll they'll look at the league table, see where they are this year look at their last couple of years in Europe and just draw a conclusion off the strength of it. I think it's kind of strange for people to look at uh, Molde that they've you know, they've been regularly involved at, I suppose, at European level. Uh, you know, they won the league well last year and yet they see them quite low down this year and, and Bodo Glimt, who they, I know they beat them at the weekend, but yeah. they completely ran away with it. So what, what's been the story of, of Molde's season then? Yeah, it's been a bit of a strange one because I think everyone had them down as league winners comfortably at the start of the year uh, like you said they, they walked the league last year comfortably they were so good absolutely annihilated everyone they came across and you know looks like a really really good team um, this year they've come up against Bodo Glimt who you mentioned there who have been sort of like the form team in both Europe and in um, elite Syrian and they've, they've really sort of taken control of the league and Mulder have sort of suffered because of that and I think I think in a way Mulder tried to prioritise their European qualification um, because the schedule's been so intense, obviously post-COVID, um, you know, the season's been condensed into a much smaller window. I think in August, Mulder played about nine or 10 games um, over a course of like four weeks. And they were, they were keen to sort of prioritise trying to qualify for the Champions League group stages. And because of that, their league form suffered, they've dropped off a bit and they probably don't look as strong as they actually still are. Um, I think, they're still an incredibly strong team in terms of Norwegian football. Like the last few years, they're one of the sort of the real standout clubs. Um, so despite sort of what the table says, I guess, they still come into this game, you know, in decent form. Like you said, they beat Bodo Glim recently at weekend 4-2. And yeah, I think they, they could still sort of cause some damage in the group stages if they if they prioritise that still and keep playing their best eleven. When you say cause some damage, like what's the what do you mean by that? What's the extent of their ambition, I guess? I think obviously qualification is what they're looking for. I mean, I guess Mould will be looking to hopefully take six points against Dundalk and then hopefully maybe steal a win and a draw against um, the Austrian team in the group as well. I think obviously the Arsenal game, depending on who Arsenal play, is going to be like who they field. It's going to be tough to win there. Um, but yeah, in general, their ambition is to qualify and I think they've got a fairly good chance of that. Um, they are quite an attacking team. Um, they like to try and sort of try and get a, get a few goals in early. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do set up in Europe because for sometimes they do drop a little bit deeper. I know in the qualification um, sort of rounds they've started playing a four five one. 
rather than a four-three-three, which they usually um, start in. So it'll be interesting to see sort of what mentality they take into it. But I think in their minds, their their goal will be to qualify for the knockouts, hundred percent. Yeah, look for example. I mean, again, the thing about Europe, you have such tenuous form guides sometimes. Um, so for example, like last year, Shamrock Rovers beat SK Bran. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and that was a sort of a, a an eventful enough tie, I guess. But I guess I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. I mean, Mulder would be a step up from Bran, I would assume, in terms of what you would expect, um, would you think? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, Shamrock are doing pretty well this year from what I've seen in the table. Um, I think Dundalk seems to be, well, uh, I mean, you can probably correct me if, if I'm wrong, but they seem to be struggling a little bit, I guess, compared Big to maybe time. last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, like, I think Bran last year were not a good team. And I think Shamrock exposed them pretty well. A lot of brand fans came into that game thinking they were going to walk, walk it easily. I was sort of holding a bit of caution, saying, "Well, look, you're not you're not doing that well in the league, so maybe maybe be a bit cautious." But um, yeah, Mulder are definitely a step up from Brown. Um, they're just a lot, you know. They're, they're, if you look at their team, they've got sort of former or current Norwegian internationals in there. There's players who have previously been abroad and done well and come back, um, and as well as that, like a few sort of very good looking like young players coming through the ranks as well. So. It's definitely, it's definitely a step up. I'll be interested to sort of see what you guys think in terms of where you think Dundalk are in sort of comparison to Mulder because you know, I'm not an expert on Irish football at all. I only know the sort of basics. Um, but it looks to me like this is a game Mulder should win. I'd just be interested to see sort of what the view from, from Dundalk would be. Yeah, listen, I think I think that's probably a, a fair enough view. I mean, the Dundalk have had a mad, mad year and I don't, I'm not even going to go into it with you, but uh, our <laughs> listeners will be well used to it, the stories that they they probably have concentrated on Europe quite heavily, but to the extent that they took their eye off the ball of the league completely. But yeah. they're, they're, they're coming back to a small bit of form, Dundalk, the last week or two under new management, but... I, you always assume that... I think there's no doubt that they would look at Mulder as, as probably the games that they think they can take points out of because yeah. there's always a feeling that the you, you play... like in, You play League of Ireland clubs in recent years while they will be underdogs against teams from Norway and Sweden and, and that part of the world. They've also occasionally got decent results against them. You know, so like even you think of... Uh, in recent memory, like Moda played Sligo Rovers, Rosenberg played Sligo Rovers. They, yeah. The Norwegian teams generally win, um, with the exception of the brand game. They, they generally don't hammer them either. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. the that's the, the the feeling about it. I mean, Moda are missing. I think Lecky James is missing. Like how how is one of their strikers? Like how big a blow is that? Or what? You know, in terms of personnel, how are they fixed? Yeah, I've got a feeling James might be back but I think very much 50-50 he's been out for okay. the last couple of games um, but they're being a bit quiet on his situation so I've got a feeling they probably left him out of the weekend to be ready for this game but okay. yeah, it's okay. not confirmed yet. but um, but yeah otherwise I mean if if they're missing Lecky James they've got um, a guy called Ohi uh, Anthony Omoihuanfo I think his name is if I'm pronouncing that right but it's he's called Ohi for short who <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he's not much he's not much of a drop off in terms of quality he was I think the elite series top or maybe last year or the year before, and I think or not, it's not too big of an issue because one who's very much like a big game player and someone who will sort of relish a chance to come in here. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think I'm expecting mostly sort of a, a full strength squad from Mulder tomorrow. Uh, there's a couple of sort of minor absences, a couple of long term injuries, but 
yeah, I think largely it will remain similar to the team that did play at the weekend, actually. I guess, I guess as well, like what deficiencies would they have? Um, you know, I, the, the, Irish, the Irish teams in Europe are always sort of reliant on finding some sort of weakness in the opposition because invariably, certainly in group stages, they're playing against better opposition. So defensively in set pieces, could they not get some joy there maybe? Yeah, I, I don't want to give away too much because uh, I guess Mulder might not be too happy with me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, yes, there's, anyway. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, there's definitely weaknesses. I mean, I think I mentioned there's a couple of sort of young players in the team and at right back there's a guy called Marcus Holmgren-Pedersen who, you know, whilst he's a good young talent and he, he's, he's still very inexperienced at this level, he's um, he actually used to play as a winger and a striker and he's now playing at right back. So defensively, he can get caught out quite a bit. Um, so I'd say he's probably weak in the That's very interesting as well because arguably Dundalk's best player or certainly thereabouts is on the left wing, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I'm sure they'll be sort of looking to probably exploit that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, Mulder, I think the, the main strength they have is down the middle of the pitch. I mean, the spine of the team is very strong. Uh, the goalkeeper, Linda's probably one of the best in the league and the two centre-halves, usually it's Bjorn Back and Gregerson are both in decent form. Although Bjorn Back's just recovered from sort of quite a sort of long-term injury. So whether he plays or not will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think definitely Mulder's weakness is out wide because even their wingers, they're not, the wingers tend to get rotated every game because there's mm-hmm. no one that's really nailed down a spot in the 11. And, you know, whilst they're all good players in their own right, yeah, they can get caught out defensively out wide. Um and it's def- it's definitely not their most sort of creative position. A lot of their play comes through the middle. Um, they're very reliant on their sort of midfield trio, and then a guy called Wolf Eichram, who you might have heard of. He used to play for uh, Cardiff and Man United back in the day. Um, who's sort of by far their standout player. So yeah, definitely out wide is where Mulder are weaker. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Dundalk will look to exploit that that right back position. Yeah, the standout player, he's like the playmaker as such, is he? He's sort of a number number 10 type player. Yeah, he's been drifting actually around recently. He he was a number 10 um, completely last year and he scored a load of goals. I think he got, you know, double digits, goals and assists in the league last year. Um, this year, for some reason, he's been sort of playing left wing quite a lot. Um, and I mentioned before, sort of Mulder been playing like a 4-5-1 at times. So he's even been dropping as deep as like a left midfielder, um, which... Yeah, it doesn't really get the best out of him, but yeah, he's still clearly like their most influential player. And yeah, I'm sure you'll see tomorrow when Mulder play, if they're looking for someone to get a pass in behind, or if they're looking for someone to create something out of nothing, the ball will just go left to him and they'll sort of hope that he can do something with it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he does play because he's played left wing sort of completely the last month. Um, but whether whether or not they, they moved to sort of back into a 4-3-3 for this game hopefully he'll go back into a sort of number 10 role which is where I think he's best and yeah I think he's definitely one to look out for um, he can't complete 90 minutes because his body is just well body's pretty much made of biscuits these days but mm. like when he does play in like the amount of time he is on the pitch he's always going to be our most creative player Just um, before we let you go Ben I know when when Owen our producer was booking it. You were hoping you would see Josh Gast maybe at some stage in these two games. And uh, I had to break the news here earlier that he hasn't met the Europa League squad and he probably hasn't had the uh, the best time of it here. But you were telling us off air, I mean, he, he was well regarded. Like he was a sort of a, a, a promising player in his youth when he was at Molde. 
Yeah, he was he was sensational when he was at Molder, to be honest. Like mm. the pace the pace he had and sort of the ability to change a game out of nothing was, you know, yeah, it's amazing to watch at the time. And I think that was sort of a problem that a lot of his game relied on that sort of pace and power and sort of being really quick off a mark. Almost like a sprinter sort of. Um and obviously since like the injuries, I mean it's well documented sort of the injury history he's had, it's obviously affected his body a bit more than I think he probably realises. Um yeah, I was saying to he came on actually on a podcast I used to run uh, last year, and we talked a lot about sort of what he what his plans were, where he was trying to where he was trying to move on from, like move to in football, because this was prior to his Dundalk move, I think. Mm. And he was saying he he still thinks his body can do it. He still feels like he's got the ability to play at a high level. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like he's sort of he's got going at Dundalk and looks like he's sort of struggling now to make any impact. So do you reckon that's Probably it for him in Ireland. Yeah, it looks that way, Dan. It does. It? It's a it's, it's it's a shame. I think it's actually even good for people to hear it, you know, because mm. that, that that obviously his reputation, like, was deserved, you know, in the sense that like he obviously played for America at senior level, and and yeah. you can see he had a very good record. But it's 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 at Mola, but it's it's a shame. It definitely it does look like one of these cases where, I like, I mean, he hasn't got injured as such um, mm. in this run, but he, when he has played, he just has looked a bit. A bit off it. Maybe he just needs to even go down a level again. I mean, I know it's a this is a lower level than where he came from, but I don't know. Does he need to go down a level again and just play a full season somewhere and see? But definitely, it's not. It's not. It's not happening from you know. Just, a, just yeah. to hear it. A fi- just a final question for you. How is the COVID situation been over there? We've had a few cases in Ireland. Has the league gone ahead like reasonably okay? Yeah, generally it's been pretty okay, I guess. Um, obviously, like I mentioned before, there was quite a delay at the start of the year. So sort of March, usually the season starts in you know, March, April time. We didn't get going until June. So obviously trying to condense all these games into such a short space of time was has been a bit of a problem for a lot of clubs who've struggled with injuries and, and such. Um, recently, there's been a couple of sort of, I guess you'd call it outbreaks, but mm. um, like so Viking, for example, a club in the Elite soon, uh, just this week, they had a player test positive for COVID. Um, because of like Norwegian regulations, the whole squad's now got to go into a ten-day isolation. Mm. Um, which to me, like, obviously, completely understand the severity of the situation. But you sort of think, well, a test on it each player would probably, you know, stop them from delaying the season another ten days. But yeah, Norway they're very cautious with it. So it is as soon as one player tests positive in the squad, the whole squad is in isolation for ten days, no questions asked, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, but other than that, I mean, there's not been, there's barely any cases in, you know, in Norwegian football. There's been maybe two or three, I think, that have been publicised. So, they seem to be dealing with it pretty well in general. Um, but yeah, I just think the 10-day rule is a bit, yeah. a bit lengthy. We'll, uh, <laughs> we could have a debate on that all day. You can find uh, Ben on Twitter at, uh, at FRFootballBen. So, that's F-O-T-B-A-L-L Ben, F-R uh, football Ben. And uh, Ben, we really appreciate appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoy the game, obviously, and um, the, the return leg as well in Norway. Cheers, guys. Don't forget to visit lotterland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE or Tristy Premier Division and the European markets also. And this week, Lotterland is boosting Dundalk to win in 90 minutes against Molde in the Europa League from 5.87. So that's 6-1 to one if you fancy Dundalk to beat Molde and visit lotterland.ie forward slash sportsbook. I don't know, Dan. I'm not feeling the vibe about this game at all in terms of being positive. Um, 
also the fact that you know I, I, I think he's well on top of the situation there Ben maybe Dundalk have a couple of areas that they might be able to exploit but the spine of the team being so strong would worry me because um, I'm not sure Dundalk's spine is anywhere near the form it was in back in, back in the day maybe no, but we have to stop talking that way. Like, you know, like as in, as in, you know, 2016 just can't be the reference point to everything. You know, it's like 2016 is gone, you know, and this is a different type of campaign. 2017, 2018. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they did get hammered for it in Larnaca one of those years, you know. So, like, like, I mean, it is four years ago now. So you just have mm. to sort of like, you have to let it go to some degree and, and, and see how they fare. With, with this group of players now and, and like it, it's nothing will compare to 2016 really in terms of like the, the novelty of that run it's a way more like it's the, nothing beats the first time for them and now it's a way more cynical world because obviously there's there's there's, there's actually a great uncertainty around the club and and the fans aren't sharing on this one like I, I watched the UEFA video there they went to they interviewed Gary Rogers and, and Brian Gartland in 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 Dundalk and it was a lovely video lovely shot about what it means to the town and stuff you know with, with the highlights of 2016 and like two things struck me one um like there is still something uh sort of quaint about the story but you have a situation where the owners really like you wonder that they even want the club to, to be in Dundalk anymore and then you, do uh, they really want them to be in Dundalk anymore uh, you, can, you, can, you could debate the point you know they're obviously talking about playing 10 games a year in in like you know, what I guess what I'm saying is to, to what extent really now are they that engaged by the community local aspect? You can you can debate that I think, and uh, the second one being it's just so sad that there won't be fans at these games and they're going to be very different experiences. You haven't um, been you obviously can't you can't go to Dundalk you can't go to RD at the moment or whatever. But like, do you get the feeling in the town like because 2016 without referencing it again obviously was an amazing time for the local area and for. You know, essentially a club that was kind of brought back from its knees from sort of two local men, really, or three or four local men or whatever. This is different. It is, yeah. I don't mean, I was obviously up at the Bowes game last week, but I mean, you're not seeing people around the ground and the people, it's the same for every club in every country, mm. you know, every club in, in the country here. There's the same faces and people you see at every game that you're not seeing. Like, I did a piece with Filippo and, and Giuseppe Rossi last week. That'll be in the paper tomorrow. That's Thursday. Big piece just with the two lads. And like, you know, they came from their B&B across the road. And part of it was asking them, like, are you getting much feedback from fans out and about? Because they're in a weird vacuum. Like, mm. that, you know, that they don't really, there's even a niggling sense there. They're not even sure their their achievement has, has been really respected. I think a lot of them are wound up by the fact that people don't seem to really think what they did in Sheriff was was that notable, whereas their perspective on it would be, well, it still was very notable, would you believe? Is but this the, the management yeah, team? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they haven't had that. They haven't had that moment with the spectators to like, you know, celebrate mm. this. And so, so it's very hard to know how this is going to go. Like, I mean, I, I think what we're seeing, like, I don't know. You, I know you were on that walk and tour. You didn't see the dirty game. We're seeing like 15, 20 minutes of games where they're good, you know. And it's just only 15, 20 minutes of games. But like, there's no doubt that Murray is back. Sean Gannon was back on Monday. Really, mm. Sean Gannon was really back on Monday. Mm. Uh, Dan Cleary was excellent on Monday. And the only positive that you can have, McElhenney's looking a bit fitter as well. The only positive that you can you can spin at it from a Dundalk perspective is that it does seem like a lot of their players are clicking into gear after a bit of an interrupted season. They got the rotation probably right on Monday. They didn't they didn't sort of uh, overplay anyone, but they got to rotate their options, and they they still have the 
you know, the ability to put out an experienced, talented first 11. That's, you know, I think experience is the big thing. Like they, they've played in European games before. There's going to be no atmosphere or crowd there. So it's really a sort of a test of football concentration. And you would think that their experience should allow them to, to be competitive in the game. Like they can still put out a side with shields. I don't know who they'll play actually between Sloggett, Murray, McElhenney. Do they play on the right? Do they play one of those central players on the right side and try and you know, let the right back bomb on a bit? Like it's, they, have, they have options. And I think that they still are capable of being competitive, but they're, they're clear underdogs. There's no doubt, let's be honest. Like, you know, an Irish team in Europe in the group stages needs to be completely at their peak. You know, they really need to be performing at their maximum level. And, and it's going to be hard for them. But I think watching them over the last, last couple of games, I probably would feel a bit better about how they might get on than they would, you know, than, than I did when the draw took place. Um, but the players are together as well. There's definitely, um, you know, there's unity there between the management and the players, which wasn't there earlier in the campaign. No, exactly. So I think um, they're going to, like, this is a, a good start game to some degree, you know. On, on that though, if, if this goes badly, like say if they lost 2 or 3 nil or something like that, it's, it's, it's not good in the sense of the five games. This is essentially by far their easiest game. They're at home to what would seem to be the weak side. Yeah, no, I know, I know. So that is the concern that they have to kind of give a good show for... For the confidence, yeah, it's, it is true. But they I mean they've still got like five big events to come, mm. and I think in these times, I don't think they're going to allow the hangover from one carry into the next. Like there's not going to be any hangover going to the Emirates in any situation next week. I think honest. they so, create chances as well, just by the way that even you know Ben was talking there. Dundalk are creating chances in games. They still have Michael Duffy, they have Patrick Hooven, Murray scoring goals, Patrick McElhenney. Um, they they do create chances. Oh and... yeah, they do. They do. If they if they play to, if they if they play their best, like they'll definitely be competitive. You know, they'll definitely have a chance of being competitive. But whether that still means that Mulder win, it's 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 possible that's the case. I mean, Mulder were we didn't really ask Ben, but they, I mean they were very close to the Champions League and probably feel they should have got there. They lost in away goals to French Varos, you know, and um. So if you asked them off, yeah, by a power knocked out by a superpower. The flip side is, of course, they were knocked out by French Varos. As opposed, like you know, we saw Bowes compete against Fairvar this year. Again, it's mm. it's you know you can you can it's not horse racing. Like form lines aren't that straightforward with this. If, but, um, um, we're going to go to Joe Gamble shortly. But if you asked Dundalk fans, if you did a poll, would you take one point from the six games? What would they say? Um, I, well, what's the other options in the poll? No, would you take one point, or would you not accept that? You offered one point from six games. Now, would you take it? <laughs> I, I think some would be tempted by it. Yeah, mm. I think some would be tempted by Anyone it. Anyone man who wouldn't, Joe Gamble. That no. would not suffice with the man let, Gamble. Let's, let, let's, go, let, let's flip away from that and let's go to the Joe Gamble. Let's go. I think we've probably quite a few people in Cork who are looking forward to this section of the show. So let's go to Joe. Let's talk to Joe. Talk to Joe. We've uh, been waiting for this now. For, for it's, it's rare that somebody prostitutes themselves to come on the show, <laughs> in effect, like you did last week. That's but your, your interaction with Dan... Uh, uh, it's, set, it's setting up a lot of uh, expectation for this but to be fair first of all we must uh, start by just commiserating with you you've, you've lost your job at Cork City and mm-hmm. you know these all joking aside it's shitty times for everyone in Ireland and it's particularly shitty if you just lost your job yeah of course yeah look it's uh, it's it, as you said look it's coming up to Christmas what have you you know like you know and you hear the new, the new lockdown restrictions it's going to be very difficult for for anyone to get a job so to lose a job uh, it's not nice it's um but look, I—I'll be very honest. Um, I saw it coming a little bit because you're bottom of the table and, and what you expect to, to a certain degree. So, 
Mm. Um, it's and it's 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 the it's the industry I'm in. Like that's you know if I if I don't want to put myself forward and be in this industry, then you know get another job. So, so let's get to it. I mean, last week you, you did obviously Daryl O'Connor was on last week. Mm-hmm. We, we we did cover, um, I suppose. Th- th- the end of the Neil Fenn era, very much through through Dara's perspective and, and his own mm. story. And I guess you were prompted to to get in touch, you know, mm. to, you wanted to maybe come on and, and have a chat. So look, what what lay behind that for you? Did you did you take issue maybe with some things that were said or what what's your feeling on it? I suppose to be honest, it's not necessarily what Dara said. It's probably more of, you know, the free shots that are, are kind of being labeled at myself and Neil, do you know what I mean? Um it's very rare that you have managers and coaches come on and defend themselves. But look, I'm the sort of character where, look, I'll front it up. Like, I've no problem coming on and saying how I feel, uh, whether I'm right or wrong. It's my opinion. Um, but I'd also like to back up some facts and, and some, you know, some some key issues that happened in the season. Um, but I just felt like, you know, there's a lot of, like, I'm, I'm living in Cork. I hear people, what I hear what people are saying. Um, and look, don't get me wrong, it hasn't been nasty or anything, but... You know, I, when I feel that I'm backed into a corner or, or things are said, then I'm not having it. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that, really. That's that's who I am as a person. Like. Okay, so so let's I mean, let's deal with that then. I mean, mm-hmm. um, like, what, what's your take on the season actually? Like, why didn't yeah. it work? I guess from your perspective, then what what were the problems? Um, I suppose there's a lot of problems. Being quite honest, I mean, we like you know, Neil walked got the job last year under. I suppose uh, it's in, well, in a situation where he walked into a whole new squad, didn't really know a lot of the players, was probably guided, um, and some of the players that, you know, in retrospect, he shouldn't have resigned, uh, if I'm being very honest with you. Um, then obviously, you you had, you know, coming into January, we had, I think, five players signed, um, and realistically, we retained two of them because. You'd Shane Griffin, Dan Casey, that were on the books. You'd Conor McCarthy, that was sold to St. Mary. So that's that's one cent and a half. That's been a mainstay in the club and a very good cent and a half league of Ireland standard that we have to replace. You Shane Griffin and Dan Casey, who realistically had to leave for budget reasons, didn't no, I don't know, maybe they, those players wanted to leave. They probably could well have wanted to leave, but realistically, if we wanted them to stay, then it was going to hurt their budget. Um so you had Garrett Morrissey and Darrell Connor really as two senior pros. In a whole new squad, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, squad that's gone. You've got two players to work with come January. No, you'd Alec Byrne and you Ron Hurley, who are two young pros who haven't played a lot of games. So that's four players you have that you call as professionals, and then you've got seven or eight young lads who, between them, would have probably played five games in League of Ireland standards. So you're looking at maybe 10, 12 players there that you have at the start of the pre-season. You're like, okay. Like that's a that's a fairly hefty job to come into that you have to replace all these players, and you're not looking. And sorry, you you Gary Buckley, not as well. Sorry, but so you've got you've got players that have left who won the league, who won a double, been in cup finals three years in a row, who knows what it takes to win in this country, who knows what it takes to play for Cork City, and they're gone. So how do you replace them? You can't replace them. It's as simple as that. We, you can't replace them, and you can't replace them on the budget we had. That's, there's no way. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, as well, I was probably missing more players with Conor McCormack, who we wanted to keep, and ultimately Derry gave him a better contract. So, you know, what you do there, like, it's a very, very tough yeah. job. For so you're saying, you're saying there were serious budgetary restraints that obviously um, resulted effectively in players leaving? 100%, yeah. 100%, no doubt about it, yeah. So how can. did it come to this? Like, how did, And why did it come to this? 
Look, to be fair, I'm, I, look, I suppose my point in this is I don't want to come on here and, and, and bash anyone at Cork City or any of the board of management because, look, I don't know, to be quite frankly, I don't know how it came to the budget being so so reduced from previous years. Um, like what I do know is before the Shelburne game, we, me and Neil were told on a Tuesday that, look, the chance there, that game might not go ahead. The club board revenue, six, six num, uh, some figure, this and is the first game of the season. Yeah, first game of the season. So we've done pre-season and they were told that on a Tuesday before the game Friday. Like, right, where's this come from? So, no, I do think that Limerick had a, had a bit of an issue with the revenue in terms of they went bust, the revenue didn't get paid. So I think they took really to Cork City a gun to the head so that we want all the money because I think they had agreed to pay stage, I mean, stage payments the revenue, which you normally revenue would, would take. No, they want all the money. So where's that money come from? You know, it's... It's a hard position to put in put into any board uh, to you know like three days ago season the lads are like right, where, where are we walking here do you know what I mean so was that the start of it of course it was you know what I mean that, that obviously was that didn't help us with budget budget constraints with trying to get players in um, no with the licenses I, I presume and I thought it was we get a tax clearance sort every year so how the club had a fairly hefty revenue bill. Then that's another question. I, I know again I could be correct in that one. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure it was you get a tax clearance every year to get a license in in, in the league run. Mm, there's there's definitely questions arising from it. Like one thing that Dara said that struck me last week was mm. he, he spoke about training and how so things aren't going great. You're down at the bottom of the table, and, and he had, yeah. he had a line some something along the lines of you know you you tried different types of, types of tactics. You know you'd have a an intense session or you'd have a more relaxed one or you'd try to mix it up mm. and it just wasn't happening on, on the weekend mm. on, on the pitch. Like, could, could you relate to that, like that point? Did, 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 could you well, understand what he's saying there? 100%. Yeah. Like, I, I think what Dara said is bang on, really. I don't think he wouldn't say anything all the time. I think he, what he said was correct. I mean, we did try, like I'll give an example, before we played Shamrock Rovers at home on the Friday, we, we, built, we, we trained all week and, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, we did a lot of tactical work on how Shamrock play, what we're going to do every day. We did tactical sessions and, you know, you play games within that, but we try to recreate what's going to happen on Saturday. And we said, right, okay, if we come in Friday and we do this again, is it, is it overkill? Because as a coach and management team, and Neil would say the same, obviously, look, and I'm, I'm probably speaking on behalf of Neil a little bit, and mm. he, he wouldn't mind me saying this, but like we, we said, right, you, you, you overthink everything because you have to because you're on the bottom of the table and you always yeah. take the players and you think, right, what's the best thing for these players? You know, are we giving them too much information? Is it too much? And you, every day you come in training, you, you, you evaluate what you did and you go, was that, was that good or was that, or is that good? Is that enough for them? Is it too, we're constantly giving too much information because like me and Neil would speak probably for about an hour and a half before training. We could speak another two hours after training. So we're, we have a three and a half hour conversation. We know exactly what we're doing. We know what's going right, what's going wrong. But then how do you relate that to the players? In a, in, a, in a way that it's not too much overburdening, it's not too much pressure, not boring, it's, it stimulates them. All these things you, you can't see as a coach and a management, you're always thinking. So we decided on a Friday to have a corner competition. So we gave split teams in two, gave them 10 corners each. We said, look, lads, we're going to have a competition. You're going to have two corners, specialised corners. You'll have two corners. Show the coaching staff what you think. If they work, we'll use them against Shamrock Rovers. So we want to kind of get a buy-in from the players and get them more involved. And it was great. Like the lads loved it. And then, the losing team then basically had to do a dance off in the centre circle with a with a, a speaker in the middle of the pitch. Mm-hmm. So you're you're taking players out of the comfort zone and you ask them to dance in the middle of the pitch. 
But we said, lads, don't put this on social media. We're bottom of the table. If this gets out, then we're having a bit of a Mardi Gras. Like, it doesn't look good. But what do you do? Like, you have to think outside the box. And we didn't want to come across as if it's all pressure, it's all this, all that. And so we did things like that. I mean, we have to try to, try to keep it interesting for the players. And that's what we thought outside the box in that day. The next day, we actually got pummeled training, so it didn't work. But did, that, did it work? Did it not work? I don't know. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just... I suppose that, well, Shamrock Rovers, in fairness, with all due respect, like you got hockey by them twice this season. It's no big deal. I suppose it's just the other games. And the game against Harps, for me, was the killer because you win that game 1-0, yeah. all bets are off to an extent. 100%. But I think I think that's where the turning point for me and Neil, I think, the season between the Finn Harps and, and the Pats game. Mm. Like, we travelled up to Finn Harps and... Preparation was great. The, 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 even look, we did a, we did like a stretching session in the morning in in, a, in the kind of a conference room, whatever. And there wasn't a peep out anybody. Everybody, we just knew that we're ready. Like if the game was at twelve o'clock, we weren't ready. Like you could just you could feel it, you could sense it. And even in the build up to the match and the lads and the the, the kind of vocals and the pitch and the warm everything, we just knew we were ready. And you know, okay, we 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 drew one all and we we played really well at times. So I thought we were we were decent. Gave a terrible goal, and then we look at the goal and go right. Okay, you know we're 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 bottom of the table, one up, and you kind of see one of two things. And you go right. I don't see fellas running around kicking fellas early. You know what I mean? I don't see fellas fighting for their lives for 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 a one and win. And that kind of worried me a little bit. And kind of going, I wanted someone to go and have somebody. You know that kind of way. That's the way mm. we were. That's our message. Our message. Our message leading up for that few weeks was, I don't really care what you do with the ball. I was gone beyond what fellas do with the ball. I want to know what you can do without the ball. I want to know basically, and I said it very frankly, players. I basically want you to kick the shit out, players. That's my. That was my. That was my honest to God approach to, to the games, lads. We're bottom of the table. Go and kick for the wrong place. Be very, very physical. Be very competitive because you have to be. We have to be because we're bottom of the table. You know, that's 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 the kind of that's what our kind of thinking was. And and I tell you why you might think of that as well. And I, and I said this to players quite a lot. Is we broke it down very simply. Is the game is 90 minutes, all right? The ball's in play for 60 minutes, give or take. Could be 58, could be 62, but 60 minutes in average. So the ball's in play 60 minutes. You, as an individual, touch the ball for a minute and a half to two minutes. No, Sean McGraw players might turn two and a half minutes because they have a lot of possession. But I'm saying, in general, for us. So if the ball's in play 60 minutes and you're going to touch the ball for a minute and a half, two minutes max, what are you doing for the other 58 minutes of the game? That's my, that was my argument to the players. That's what we kept saying to the players. So for 58 minutes... We want you in this shape. We want you here. We want you compact. We want you being competitive. We want you to do everything you can and be so determined not to lose games that if you have that determination, we'll be okay. Mm. Which just, just, just on that though, you, you, have a bunch, you have a real mishmash of players here. Some of these lads mm. are loaned over from England, young lads. Mm. Is it not anathema to them to be asking them to kind of basically to do all the rough stuff? Is it in their even DNA to do that at a club that they're actually unknown to and all that? And you, maybe it was, is it the wrong set of players to be carrying out that message? Well, I mean, look, football is competitive. I mean, football is like no matter what level they play, whether they come from Arsenal, QPR, or Birmingham, like they like they have done. Like I'm sure this message hasn't been. This isn't the first time they've heard it from a coach or a management team to to work hard off the ball. I mean, we're asking them to soft test realistically. It should be second nature, really, like to work hard, to be aggressive, to be on the front foot, to be, you know competitive and all the win first ball second ball they, that's been ingrained to them since they were 16 years old I and mean, this is these lads are academy football professional clubs so this isn't the first time they've heard it and even our own lads winning the club would have heard that from the youth team coaches from the Colin Healy's Dan Murray's 
Billy Woods coming up to the, the first team. So this is new to these players. It's not not like I'm, I'm coming up with a, a new tactic or a new style of football. All we're yeah. asking is off the ball to be absolutely ruthless, to be, you know, that everything depends on it, to, to sacrifice everything, to give your all in the game. Then everyone says that, oh, give your all, but I'm on about going beyond give your all. I mean, like, to, yeah. to have no doubt that, listen, your job's on the line, your prayer's on the line, we're all on the line, because you don't want it in your CV that you're relegated. So, so, no, no yeah. so, so, Joe, like, I mean, for example, then, uh, the, the Pats game, like one of the big talking mm. points was the yeah. double sub early with, with taking off Dara and Dylan McLean. Was, mm. was there a sense that you weren't getting that from them? I mean, is that even a factor in why Dara has been let go? You know, that you weren't, you were maybe certain players you felt didn't fit that I don't know. They, they, they fit the profile for maybe what you needed for running. Yeah, one hundred percent. That was that was the reason. Yeah, like I mean, I watched we, when when we played when we were exciting for the Pats game. Like that could have been six nil. Half thing. Like they, they, the 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 worst beat we got this year was from Pats at home. To be honest, that spell mm. they, they were unbelievable. They were everywhere. They were just they were fantastic form. I just thought I looked at them and Jesus Christ, because we we would look at games and listen. We're at home as we're playing Pats. They're not exactly Shamrock Rovers. They're not them dark. We can win this game. No, obviously every game you win to, you can think you can win. But I think particularly that game, we were thinking we can have a go at this because we had six games to go, and we knew like it was coming to this stage where look, it's that we've got to win some games. We've got to put a, we've got to start putting a foot forward there and, and, and get points on the board. And like the Finharps, our formation with four four one one without the ball. So in that formation, you have to concede possession. So you're not going to have a lot of ball. But what you do there basically is you're going to be ultra compact. Ultra compact. You're going to have two banks of four. You've got your centre your center forward out of position dropping into the six. So really, their back four have the ball. Their centre backs might have the ball. But that's mm-hmm. fine. Let them have the ball. But we're not going to concede You know, easy chances. We're going to be very, very difficult to break down. And on the counter transition to attack, we should have good ball carriers to get us up the pitch. So we might. you're looking at more of a counter-attacking football. And with Darren McLeod and, and Deshaun, you should get that really because they're, they're better ball carriers. But and then as I go back to Finhouse, we kind of we saw a good progression in the teams. That, right, that's good. You know, we did work hard. We did exactly what we needed to do. So then you carry that in this Pats game, and after twenty minutes, you're looking and you're going, "Nah, this isn't right." You just know it's not right. So, and bear in mind, we got six games to go. So, if players don't realize that, and where we built up all week the same preparation, the same Finhouse. Then where do you go? Like, I mean, it, like and I'm, being, and I'm being very honest there. Like, I mean, it's easy to say to the coach or the manager, yeah, you got it wrong and you're tactically naive and you're not fit for the job or you're out of your depth. That's fine. That's, that's well and good. And we get the sack for that. So when players then don't perform and it's the same problem over and over again, then where do you go? Like, but, I mean, like, can I get this right? You, you approach the Pats game in the manner of we're not going to play quite as defensive or we think we can win this game and the players either weren't able or just couldn't get the message. Is that what happened in the game? Well, look, I mean, look, we, we, we played the Pats game with the same way we played the Finharps game. That We went 4-4-1-1. We would concede a bit of possession because you have to, if you're going to play that formation, mm. you have to be in front of foot. But what, we, what we're basically saying is that nothing changed from the Finharps game. We, still, we, we would hope then that by bringing Pats onto us a little bit, but in transition... You, you, they'd be a bit more open to counter. Yeah. So they're a bit, they're a bit, they're a bit more open coming onto us. When we get possession, we make sure then that we counter attack well, that we can get forward well, we get forward in numbers. But then, when we don't have it, we're nice and compact because you can play open warfare with them. Because at the end of the day, we can concede more goals the way we have conceded. So we wanted to keep the game tight for as long as we could. And 
see how we get on. And we're at home, so we want to win the game. We're not, we're not, we're not saying we don't want to win the game. Mm. But it was very evident after 20 minutes that we just we weren't able to do it. We weren't it able to we weren't able to do that. Like. It wasn't happening. Just, no. I mean, to, to talk more generally, then I think you've explained your view. I, actually, before we move on from that completely, though, like the decision to release Dara, and obviously you would have spoken with Neil about that. I mean, what was, was there something about trying to send a message to the group with that? Was there an element of that with it? Look, maybe. I'd suppose, look, yeah, maybe, being honest, yeah, that could well have been. But I mean, look, we had 26 players training. We had everyone fit. We had everyone back. And we're like, okay, we've got five games left. Where are we going with the squad? Like, who, who's in the trenches with us, who's not in the trenches with us. That's, that's the way. We didn't make anyone scapegoat. I'm not showing anyone in the bus. Like, every single player in the squad got a fair crack of it. Like, every single player got a chance to play and to prove themselves. We were begging anyone to play well. We basically said, lads, any of you play well, you're not going to be not playing. It's as simple as that. Like, we wanted, <laughs> we were dying for someone to do something and go, oh, that's decent, we, I'm having that, we'll take him. But like, yeah. you know, at the same token, and I'm, look, listen, I want to be very clear on this one. I don't want to come across that, like, oh, you're making excuses. Like, we, we got sacked because we're bottom of the table. So I'm not here to say we deserve this, we deserve that. I'm not here to say the players didn't try. Players tried the hardest. I mean, in training, we never had any problems in training. Training was really good. Players really worked hard. They did the gym work. They did the running. They did whatever we had asked them to do, whatever they needed to do. They did it and more. So I'm not here to throw any player on the bus or to make myself look as if, like, oh, you know, I knew what I was doing. It's a collective effort, but at the same token, we lost a job because we weren't playing well. So when players don't play well, and we bring them into the office, when I say we, obviously Neil has a decision on that one, and we are saying, okay, lads, it's not working well here. We don't see you playing for the next five games because we don't see what we need from certain players you're going to give us, right? What is it, why then is the big hole of blue when we say to the player that, look, we don't see, we don't see any plans for the last five games? Because on Dara's situation, there was no one on social media. There was no one in the papers. There was no one shouting out from the rooftops that Dara Connor has to play every week. But then the minute we say, look, listen, we don't see you in the plan for the next five games because we need a different sort of approach, all of a sudden it becomes a social media craze that, and I see from certain ex-players, oh, it's interesting, Dara Connor uh, has said that he doesn't want to leave. Why is it interesting? Like? Because this is professional sport. So when you don't play well, how then can you expect them to not be asked to leave or not asked to, you know, look, listen, I don't see any plans. It's a performance-driven sport. So players have to be accountable and managers have to be accountable. But it's easy to throw the manager on the bus and say, I'll show you, I'm clear what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how, how, how damaging is it for Neil and you now and how hurt, how hurt are you guys from this? Um, well, look, to be honest, I'm not, obviously you, you don't want to get sacked. And I mean, like, the way I look at it is like, I would always have a Cartier as my club. Like, I've played them for years, very successful time there. I'm from Cork, so obviously I'm hurting, but I mean, I'm honestly then, that's my heart, but my head's thinking the same token. Like, I know like, that I, I did a fairly good job there. I, I tried my hardest with the players that were there. We did everything we could in terms of individual meetings, unit meetings, video meetings, tactical on the pitch. You know, I was double jobbing. I mean, at the end of the day, look, you look at it. We had two members of staff with me and Neil, and we had two players who were also staff. Like Mark McNulty is a goalkeeping coach and staff. Sorry, and player. Um, and you, Alan Bennett, who's a player and in staff. So I think that's a very important point to make because that's not happening at other clubs, to be fair. Yeah. No, it's not, no, no, it doesn't. And I think it's no assistant manager, it's SNC coach in any other club. Oh, yeah. Mm. I was. Because again, that's, that's the budget. Like we couldn't afford, you couldn't afford to probably pay another. We wanted to keep the budget as much as we could for the players. So 
No, I was lucky. I had three interns and I was lucky to get a hold of them and I had really good interns. And, but I mean, if I didn't have interns there, I'm not too sure how, how, we, how we would have done this because I can't be on the pitch and in the gym with doing rehab at lads and making sure they're conditioning and make sure the gym is done and make sure this is done. It's impossible. You can't, you, you can't do that. I mean, it's, you know, it's a tough enough job it is. And I was do, we were doing the GPS, so that was new to the club. Listen, was it too much too soon? I don't know. But I mean, that doesn't happen in your club. We were very much stretched. Like, can I just come in? Like, I mean, the, the difference between because this is a weird season, right? Like, we've had the mm. the start of the season, and then we all we had this long break. And one thing I was struck by, and I, I want to hear your view on this, that like at the start of the season, yeah, you had a couple of tough nights, but there was a sense that well, it's thirty six game season. There was almost a bit of understanding that this is a this is a part of you know get through one series yeah. of games. I think was yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. discussion that was being said. And then we come back in September, or sorry, in July, sorry, but we come back with a, a much more, just 13 games to go. Um, all of a sudden, like, a, a, you know, McNulty and Bennett are really going to be, it's like the old dogs for the hard road type yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Graham Cummins was brought back and didn't, yeah. didn't play. Like, yeah. did you sort of have to change your whole approach when it came to that? Like, and to me, from the outside, that looked like, God, they're just... There's a bit of panic stations here now because all of a sudden they need to be 13 games to stay up, which is you were trying to do something different at the start of the season, maybe with a different squad. Like, did you yeah. struggle with that sort of transition in the season to suddenly shit like, you know, the 13 games yeah. to go yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, your, your attitude changes straight away. Your whole perception changes. It's 13 cup finals, that old cliche. It's, you know, every team is basically do or die. So, what you were laying down at the start of the season and what we were trying to progress, because I thought before. Lockdown, when we played Pats away, we lost one. I thought we were really good. We could have easily mm. got a draw on that one. I thought we were really good. And you could see signs of a bit of progression coming in. We were kind of definitely a bit more on the front foot. Now, listen, we still only won one game. But we were, there was improvements there. I mean, like as I said, lads, we two players, two senior professional players in January, we two young professionals and eight or nine young lads. So you're rebuilding a whole new team. And three years previously, they had won a double. You're replacing some players that, that, that they're not replaceable. As it's as simple as that. You're not going to replace the Gary Buckley's and the Conor McCormick's and the, and the, sorry, who said it back? Conor Mack from St. Mary. Like these are these yeah. are good players. They are So you're not going to replace them on the budget that we had. Like if we, it, you're just not. It's as simple as that. So then we we have well, to also try. Joe. You were totally screwed over by the abridged season, obviously. Oh, percent. Yeah, Listen, of course. I mean, all the teams could say the same. But yeah, but look, but we knew. Look, we talking games to go. So we're hoping. And you always, I suppose, as a coach, as a management team, you always back yourself. Like you're always going, now we'll be fine and we we make it work and we'll get the players to where we need to be. And you you just have that because if you didn't have that about you, then you, you shouldn't be in the job anyway. So you're mm. kind of always you're always, I suppose, hoping and praying and, and I suppose and, and have the belief that you will get over or things will change. Um, mm. but I think it definitely did change. And how how we played, I don't think it changed. I don't think it changed. We still had the same principles, we still try to play. Um Bringing in Alan Bennett and Mark McNulty, um, ultimately, as they were, they were, they were the best players to play. It's simple as that. Mm. We didn't, we didn't play them because it was, as you said, oh, you know, old school lads. They'll, they'll get through us. We just thought, look, at that time, they, that experience will help us. Will help the younger players around us, and they, they deserve to play. It's simple as that. They deserve to play. Joe, like we, we, we put out for a couple of questions, and, and one question I don't quite have the, the full question in front of me here, but I think it was it was to do with the area of recruitment generally. Mm. Um, and, and it's certainly like we actually have talked about on this show, like one of the aspects about the the 
this season in the league was the amount of players that come in from outside the league at the start mm. of it. And sometimes it's a tough thing, maybe sometimes to bring players into the league because it's sort of a unique enough league in some respects. Yeah. I mean, like, do you feel some mistakes were made in recruitment? Like, could you have recruited better? Like, there were some players that didn't last at all. I know the pandemic mm. was probably a factor. See, there's a couple have gone this week, even since Colin and Healy has come in. Mm-hmm. Like, is that an area where you, where things could have, have gone better? I forget the reader who sent that to us, but it was a general area of yeah. who was who stood over recruitment and could you have handled it better generally? I suppose. Look, it's a fair it's a fair statement. Yeah, I mean, look, or recruitment. Like recruitment is everything. The type of players you bring into the squad, be it good characters, be it excellent players, be it the glue. You might have a, a lad that's you know great in training room that the glue that keeps everyone together. You would have different characters. I mean, recruitment is everything, but the biggest factor in recruitment is your budget. It really is. Like I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say come back to the money all the time, but I mean, look. If you look at the top teams, like do you think that Jack Burns and the Graham Brooks and the, and the Duffies are on small money in this in league? They're not. Like they're on mm. good. They're on good money. So technically, they have the best players because they have the most money. If we were willing to pay that type of money, we would get the Jack Burns and the Graham Brooks and the Mike Duffies and so on and so forth because Cork is a big club. But you're not going to get lads to come from Dublin, from Galway, from Derry on a hundred quid more than what he's on or 50 quid more and, and in the accommodation he's got to live with five other lads in one house. We two houses. So it's not like we had a family. Like you couldn't have brought a family man down here. Like if I look at myself, if I was say 26, 27, I have a wife, I have two kids say for example, right? Am I going to come down and live in a house with five other lads? No, I'm not. Yeah. No, I want, I want an apartment. I want a house so my wife and kids can stay or, or I want my own bit of space. So straight away that rules out more that type of age demographic because you're not going to be able to put a meeting, you know what I mean? So you're going to get lads who are younger lads, who are single, who are inexperienced, because the money drives that. Like, it's the same in any other, it's the same with your job. That's like, if I were to, if I was to pay you then, or, or whatever, say a certain wage, like, you're going to pay, you're, like, oh, sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. If I was to pay a journalist a lesser money, you're going to get lesser type work, because you're not experienced as you then. Yeah, and, you're, and you're yeah. not going to come to Cork for an extra hundred quid a week for your job, right? So we want you're the best journalist in in the country, say for example, at, at this at football, for example. Will you come to Cork for an extra hundred quid? But you've got to live with five other lads, and there's other sort of stimulation with it. No, you're not. Yeah. Let's, be, let's yeah. be frank. Let's be real about no, it. I think people yeah. get that. I think people yeah. get that. I think people understand that, yeah. and I think it's just. But you're okay. You're on, but more the players we brought. In well, I, I guess I'm saying, that, like at the same time, like is it a learning process that you you think someone's going to be the right fit, but then. Mm. They're, they're not like yeah. you know you yeah. know like I, I don't know it's an easy thing to say I suppose like no you're, no, you know. listen, you're right I, look I just always look to answer your question you're like yeah I mean you are right I mean I think can, can the recruitment be better we've got to look at it and say yeah maybe maybe we got it wrong and maybe there's certain players that came in that didn't fit the profile um, the, the, like you know if you're looking at we, we wanted to encourage to play more car players because realistically like, they live in a home they have their own accommodation that's another factor I mean you brought in Keane Coleman young lad you know played in the league a few years you know, good, solid professional. You're trying to bring other lads who are younger, like the Rob Seven, Charlie Fleming, Corey Galvin, you know, played in the league a little bit, haven't got unbelievable amount of experience, you know. Um, did they work? They're, they're working projects. Like, I mean, some of them would have worked, some not would have worked. The lads we brought in England, the lone, the lone players, I mean, D- Darling, Joseph, Alou, and Joe Redmond, I thought they were good players. Let's like, I mean, I thought they were, you know, I think they're struggling a little bit. They have maybe the confidence goes down, but, they're all, that's their first professional season. Joseph, Joseph Lewis, first game in professional football was against Shelburne. The Sean Darling had played maybe two games QPR. Joe Redmond's first game against Shelburne. Uh, we had eight debuts 
debutants against, I think, Shelburne in the 41st game. So we did t- obviously take a chance by looking outside the country because we probably thought there's more value for money outside the country than getting someone inside the country. Yeah. We'd love to have you back on again, actually, just to chat more generally about your own career in the mm-hmm. league and stuff. There's loads we could, we could talk about. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just before we let you go, I mean, like you've been around Cork through some crazy times in, in the club's history. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had Neil Horgan on this show before. I know he, he did a couple of books and he would have featured in, in those books. And, oh, yeah, and, that, yeah. and that era of 07 and yeah. 06, 07, 08 and, you know, a lot of good contract offers and stuff going around the yeah. league. It was, a, yeah. it was a yeah. sort of a mad time in a way. That's right. Like, so we're, we're, what, we're 10, 12 years on now and Cork possibly could be relegated. Uh, mm. There's a big debate around ownership yeah. and all this. Like, where do you see the club going from here? Like, are you, are you a bit worried about where things are at? Because it's it just feels feels quite sad that we're back in a yeah. sort of a Cork City crisis mode again. Yeah, it is. It is very very sad. I mean, look, I suppose you, you have to look at the two fours. I mean, the, the fans, the the the, the forum, the, the, the force that that own the club have done unbelievable work continuous since they took it over in two, 2010. I think I went to Hartlepool that time to twenty twenty. I mean. The transformation has been unbelievable from first division to promoted to uh, double champions to be three three years north FBI Cup final in kind of have that bit of slum down again you know what I mean but you you can't you can't forget the good times that the force have brought to the club I mean ultimately lads like it's a fan zone club so there's only so much that they can do realistically I mean if you have one or two bad seasons and I, I I suppose if you look at the height of it when they won the double. I, I would imagine to get to that to that level with a fan zone club, they obviously would have overreached to push everything they could financially to get the club to that level, to bring the players and to bring the, the management team that they had. I mean, they had they had everything going. I mean, very good management team, John Caulfield, John Carter, Liam Carney, Lisa Fallon was there. You had unbelievable players in the league, Sean McGuire's, the Saddlers, the, the Doobies you had. You had really the top, top players in the league at the time and you were the top of everything. To get to that level... The club would have obviously would have overreached. I think would have overreached to get there. So if you don't maintain that level of year and you don't and you don't have those type of players coming in, or you don't have someone behind you, a benefit, a factor yeah. to, to 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 write the check. Like you only look, I see recently about Shamrock Rovers had a deficit of X amount, but a heap Dermot Dunn put in half a million to, to make it a surplus, or to, to, to make it so. Like every club needs it. Dundalk have one, Shamrock Rovers have one to compete. If you want to eat at the top table, you want to need someone who's going to write a check at the end of the season, but there you go, that's the last day you go. Because to compete at this level in professional sport, you need that. So if you're a fan zone club, you're only going to be able to raise as much money as you can through commercial, through sponsorship, through all the other things that they have done. You're going to bleed the same code dry all the time. So you're going to need someone to come in and, and to make that up. And I think you know, you have one bad season there, for example, you don't make Europe, you don't make the levels you should make, all of a sudden, you start, the, the, and, and and again, look, fans, fans are fickle, Cork fans are brilliant, but also, they're very fickle, and all fans are very fickle, when you're not doing well, I'm not going down to the cross, I won't go down to the cross, when you're winning, everybody wants a ticket, that's in all sports in this country, so when that doesn't happen, that affects how the club is run, so you're going to have a surplus, you're going to have a deficit every year, if you're not at the top, and I think the 2018, 2019 kind of came with the budget comes down a bit lower and lower. The quality players starts leaving because you can't afford to keep them. And it just becomes a slow, gradual downturn. And then eventually comes a situation where, you know, your budget's in the bottom three, how's it come to that? And everyone's saying, oh, where did all the money go? Like, what money? What, what money? Like, to win the league in this country is pity, it's, it's peanuts. It's, it's a joke. It's a hundred and something grand. It's not even worth talking about, really. To win the cup is another 50 grand. So, really, 
your budget probably 1.4 million, but you're getting 20% of it if you win the league and win the cup. Champions the league. league money, I suppose, it would be the question. That's, got, but that's what you want. That's, 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 that's what yeah. yeah. But that, that probably goes in on, you bought Karen Sadler, I know you didn't buy him a lot of money, but that goes on paying the players what they're worth. They stay yeah, at that level. There's no doubt it went on, like the, the budget probably pushed out considerably. And listen, well, we'd love to talk about some of the stuff again with you. I mean, what, what is your plan now? I mean, this is unfortunately the perils of... Yeah. Trying to work full time in this league, it's it's tough. It's, you know, it's, if if it's England, there's there's you can pick up sort of scouting and recruitment work with a club or something. It's a bit mm. harder here, isn't it? So I mean, it I is, don't know what's, is, is. what's, you know, what's just, your what's your plan. Uh, I don't know. To be fairly honest, yeah, um, there is no. See, the problem is there, there isn't a big industry here. You haven't got like fifty clubs. You haven't got all the networks of you know different sort of yeah. avenues, as you said. So. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, if I if I want to stay in, in football and I'm kind of ambitious to stay in it, then I've got to accept that this is the perils that you're going to be up and down and what have you. Like, but look, at the same token, I've got a, I've got four kids, I've got a young family. I can't afford to be flitting around and 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 dreaming of jobs when they're not there. So I've got to be pragmatic too, and I've got to think about it. And I'll see. To be quite honest, I'll see. Um, hmm. And and that's where I'm at. I'm not going to make any rush, rush decisions. But that's it. Yeah. I just one last question. If you were manager, would you have done anything different? Uh, good question, actually. Um, manager, would do any difference? To be, to be honest, you know, I don't think I would not. I, I think, I think we we did, and I think and Neil did like we did it, an awful lot of work with the players. We really tried to get them to buy into different things, um, and, and that's why I'm probably not at the situation where I'm absolutely raging. I, I thought we did what we what we what we should have done and what we could have done, and unfortunately, just didn't work. I really appreciate your honesty, Joe. Yeah, um, brilliant, Joe. Yeah, appreciate brilliant that stuff. Um, and we'll have you back again because I want to talk yeah. about the, the state of the league now and and what you think of Jack Byrne, maybe, and players compared to your mm-hmm. time and stuff. And I don't want to go into it now because we want to do it properly. But if you'd, yeah. you'd love to have you back on again, yeah, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, that's always available. Yeah, great, great talk great. to you. Earlier on, we gave out two of Lotto Land's Europa League price boosters, but don't forget you can also get some of the best odds for the SC or Tristy League. And this weekend, Lotto Land is boosting an LOI home treble of Cork City, Sligo Rovers, and Bowes. Price was 5.97, now boosted to 7.0, and that's 6 to 1. And to avail of any of the great prices, this is the price booster section on lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Yeah, that was Joe Gamble, um, honest as ever. The man who famously said they molested Linfield after Cork City. That was uh, it, one of the great, one of the great Santa uh, Cup posts. It was actually at that game, Dan. I think you, it was the day that the smoking ban was introduced in the north. I remember oh. walking down the Shankill Road and thinking, wow, this is I a different... I was there as well. Did, were, were we not talking then or something? No, uh, no well, possibly, but uh, no, I, I think I was there yeah, as a Cork fan. I think you had a pop at me online around that time. I think I was probably angry with you. Did I? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the... You had an assault on me on one of those message boards around... Did I molest you? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Johnny. <laughs> um, um, I remember it was... It was, it was six, seven. We, we drifted apart for a time. Look at us now. Yeah, yeah. I remember... I do remember um, meeting a mate that I worked with in Tanta. He was from... Uh, he's from Warren Point. And um, I arranged to meet him in Belfast City Centre after the game. And I ended up getting a lift back into Belfast with literally a busload of Linfield fans. And the bus dropped me at the point to meet him and the look on his face as he saw me getting out of the bus. <laughs> but that's, that, that was the day that, that, that Linfield molested, uh, were molested by Cork and the North has changed so much remarkable times, but that was Joe I don't think the two, the, two aren't, the two aren't related. 
Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Gannon, listen, he spoke about, I suppose I was just thinking at the end, he, he spoke about obviously the, the, the issue of benefactors and stuff. I can just imagine people from Bowes say, well, actually, hang on, we don't have a benefactor and, you know, they've got themselves into a reasonable position. But I suppose they, they, the, the next test is still to, to go that next level up. And, and, and that's, you know, it's funny, I watched Bowes at the weekend again, um, then a few bodies, um, but they're, you know they've comfortably they're going to f- comfortably finish second ahead of Dundalk anyway. Yeah, you know, that with certainty, and they've done really well. But obviously, you head into a winter now, and um, they're probably given a really good shot of trying to do something sustainable. And they're saying they're not going to get carried away. And I mean, the Matt Doherty money was obviously a massive boost for them that you couldn't you know you couldn't have envisaged that coming. Um, but it's they're probably now trying to fly the flag really for the sort of ownership a certain ownership model. Mm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they've, you know, hopefully they get the daily amount, but then they'll have a couple of years in Talca. And so, like, it's, you know, I, I think they're, they're in a very good place at the moment. I just thought it's, it's important to make that point. Um, but I suppose, you know, Cork were in a great place in the past too. So I'm always wary of predicting success stories into the future. But Bose do seem to be doing things quite well. And it has to be said. And, and you'd have to give them a, a chance. But yeah, what have we got this weekend? We've, uh, mm. like, we've, uh, we, we hope there's no dramas, but we have, like, the, by the time our next show pictures. comes around, by the time our next show comes around, we could have um, could have uh, a lot of stuff resolved. Derry v Shelburne on Friday, um, Sligo Cork, Bowes Finn Harps on Saturday. Both those games Saturday, Watford versus Dundalk on Sunday, and you know in the first division then UCB Cabo five one, Shamrock Rovers second team beat Atlone three one, Longford nil, Cove one, uh, Galway one, Drogheda three, massive win for Drogheda there. Brave v Galway on, on Saturday is a huge game at three o'clock at the Belinda Carlisle. Drogheda v Wexford at the same time. Um, and then Tuesday at Lone Bray, Cabo Drogheda, Galway UCD, uh, Wexford, Longford, Cove, Shamrock Rovers. I should finish up, Dan, um, just by saying you did mention I was on that football, the walking tour of Dublin sort of football tour. And it was, um, it was, it was the blue Monday of the, obviously of the lockdown and all that. But it was quite, uh, I suppose it was quite, special to go from Talca Park to Daily Mount to reflect the fact that Talca could soon be gone, that Daily Mount might well have been gone at this stage and take in these sites. And uh, I suppose you do get, you do pine for the fact that we have these old grounds that are in the city and you don't want to lose them. And uh, you can just think if Bose had moved to that place uh, by the airport, which was time. Plan, I mean, yeah. Where, yeah. where would that club be now? Like, but it's, it's interesting, but like, I actually spoke with someone about this recently that obviously it was, it was of the era of 08, you know, that Celtic Tiger Ireland, like, yeah. that, that like everyone was thinking about moving out of the city. Mm. Whereas now, ironically, probably one of the great strengths of Bose that it's in the city, you know, 100%. to have the in the city and, but there was that sense that like it was almost a reflection of Irish life that everyone needs to build that, you know, to go out. You know, it was like uh, in the previous decade, we'd spoke about like the, the you know, the, the, the Bertie Bowl or Abbottstown or whatever, and that we would all move our lives to the outskirts. And, and now suddenly, I don't know, uh, people are more so thinking about, no, like your, your, city, venue, your city venues, your inner city venues are a strength. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and it's just, a, it's a, it's a mindset approach, but, I mean, we just we just hope, obviously, that um, you know it makes you that, that stuff makes you crave to have the nights with those with those crowds back. Oh, like, you know, God, yeah. oh, it's not been on a downer. Like it's just, mm. I just we, we there should be more excitement about Europa League thing this week, and it's not just because Dundalk maybe aren't in top form. It's just because people aren't actually going to get to go, and um, they, 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 these should be events. And 
these games at the end of the season. I mean, we should like Rovers have a refixed game against Derry for next Wednesday. Mm. You know, that's the, the every chance that they will be crowned league champions. I mean, whenever it happens, they're going to be crowned league champions in an empty stadium. So, um, it's 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 flat, you know. And uh, I, I've definitely come around to the view, um, the, you know, the, the football without fans really is nothing. You know, really? really, yeah, I think so. I think I've really come around to it. Like, I'm very lucky in level five that I'm still going to be able to leave my house to go to games. And as I said, very very lucky. You wouldn't yeah. have felt that at Talca Park on Sunday because the atmosphere created by the smattering of Shell's officials there and the Shell subs bench was actually like it was like a good a reasonable first division game back then. I know I, I listen yeah, it's not funny, saying it's, like, it's not saying it's without this can't go charms. on forever. I'm not um, saying it's without it's not charms, but it's it's not the game that we know mm, and it's mm. a, it's a different there's a different mood music to everything around there it. Is. It's a different it's an alternative version of football. It's great to have it it's great to have it to talk about brilliant you know it's it's and I, I, I wish the season was going on till the end of December, even if it was in this format. Nice, but, yeah. but but just generally, yeah. um, it's 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 not the same. And I definitely think some of these big games creep up on you because you don't have that anticipation of chatting to people about did I meet you at the game or you know people planning their buses to away trips or you know whatever it might be. Like there's none of that, and it, and it's definitely. You know, it feels like stuff is creeping up in you because of it, you know? But yeah. Anyway, we, didn't, we didn't have Ben and Jerry, but we had Ben and Joe today. Uh, ben Wells. Uh, ben and Jerry fan, Dan? Uh, ben, ben and Jerry's. Is a, the ice cream. As opposed to Tom and Jerry, the, the cat and the mouse. Oh, I like that, yeah. We've gone yeah. from Ben and Joe to Tom and Jerry there. Ben Wells, an Norwegian football analyst, and, and incredibly, if um, predictably, Frank, Joe Gamble, very best of luck to Dundalk, carrying the hopes of uh, the Irish game on Thursday against Malda. Um, thanks very much to everyone for listening. And uh, also, just don't forget uh, that we want to thank Lotto Land, where you'll dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting. You can check out the SSD or Tristy League, uh, Premier Division Games, and European qualifier markets. Lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Thanks for listening. But there are limits to your life.